0: Welcome to Trauma and Pop Culture, a monthly podcast where we seek to make knowledge about trauma accessible to the everyday person through analyzing books, movies, TV shows, and other elements of popular culture through a trauma lens. I'm Katherine Spearing and I'm a trauma recovery coach. I also have a master's degree in religion and cultures and work with survivors of trauma on a regular basis. A word about popular culture. This could be material from modern times, like a Taylor Swift song, or it could be something really old that has retained its relevance over time, like Shakespeare. On most of the episodes on trauma and pop culture, I'll be bringing other mental health professionals into the conversation, but occasionally it'll just be me. While we will be sharing general information about trauma, we are not diagnosing anyone, which is one of the reasons we'll likely stick to fiction most of the time. Please be advised that every discussion assumes everyone has listened to or read or watched said popular item. Expect spoilers around every corner. Occasionally we'll record these episodes while drinking or eating. So you'll often hear us discuss our food and beverage choices. Just wanted to give you a heads up. If you have questions about trauma or a show or movie or anything you think would be great to analyze, send it to traumaandpopculture at gmail.com. As I mentioned, I am a trauma recovery coach who also works with clients one-on-one. If you're interested in working with me, you can visit my website, katherinespearing.com coaching for more information and use the contact form to reach out. While you're on my website, you can sign up for my monthly mailing list, where I'll send out more tidbits about trauma, what popular culture stories I have found helpful on my own trauma recovery journey, plus a few other things you might enjoy. While the tone of this podcast is mostly lighthearted and fun, we will be discussing trauma, There might be some elements that are activating, especially if you're a trauma survivor. So move slow. Take care of yourself. If you find yourself overwhelmed, you can always take a break and come back later. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Stranger Things Season 4 from Netflix. I'll be hanging out with my friend Marion, who is a child play therapist based in St. Louis, Missouri. You can find her contact info in the show notes. Okay, Marion, what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking cold brew, but I was drinking margaritas.
0: I was also drinking margaritas, and now I am also drinking cold brew, so that we can sober up before we watch part two of season four, Stranger Things. Yes, whoa, whoa, whoa. here we go. So question. Yes. How much trauma do the Stranger Things kids have? Tons. Too so much. much. <laughs> So let's just talk about, let's talk about like kind of character by character. Okay. The Max. Max. Which I love. Oh my God. Max has a ton of trauma. Tons. So she is connected to her stepfather, her stepbrother, who was an asshole, um, her mom, who now is kind of neglecting her. And where's
1: her real dad?
0: Yeah, we don't know anything
1: about about Max's
0: real dad, do we? I wonder if we'll find out.
1: Yes.
0: Her father is Papa. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the Harry Potter way, like the way that she escaped from being in the, what's his name? Vector? Yeah. Lord Vector's clutches.
1: (gasps) Through music.
0: Through music, through art. Yes. Through love. Yes. And through friendship. Yes. Super Harry Potter. Yeah, that is That she escaped. I love that. Yes. That was how she survived and how she is continuing to deal with her trauma. Yes. Then there's Elle. Oh. Poor Elle.
1: Poor Elle. Tons of trauma. Who is
0: definitely trying to fight the fact that she has a very codependent relationship with Papa. (gasps) What she should have done? Oh. What should she have done? When that strange man comes and, like, you can save the world again, come with me. What is his name? <gasps> the old man? Oh, like
1: the cop guy. Yeah. Oh, man. I think she should have, like, ran for her life, but she didn't know. Right. But that's so sad. He yes. manipulated her. He did. He totally, yes, he manipulated her. She shouldn't she, have gone with him.
0: She shouldn't. Yeah, like, it's like uh, he said that you're the only person who can save the world. Yes you have to go. Yes. She is also dealing with the fact that things are kind of rocky in her relationship with her boyfriend. Yes. So she doesn't really know. She's not very secure in any of her no. relationships.
1: But again, relationships equal security.
0: So if I upset one person, then my security is gone. Is that because of trauma? Yes. Yeah. So trauma survivors feel like
1: like any any rejection equals unsafety.
0: Mm. and there's kind of uh and even though like what's his name mike wasn't really rejecting her he was right. just he was really like just surprised at her
1: yeah reaction
0: to this girl at school a bully yes she had a very violent reaction to the bully
1: yeah oh that's a really good point because like she she created this false reality for him
0: mm-hmm. to make
1: it feel like she was okay, oh,
0: but poor she Elle. wasn't.
1: She was really being <laughs> bullied, which makes it makes sense because it's like if he knew how bad it was, then maybe he
0: would reject her too. I know, and either yes. way, it ends in rejection. It does,
1: which is in in trauma survivors' minds is unsafe and right. Yeah. Right. There isn't just this,
0: like, light category of, like, oh, someone doesn't like me. That's fine. They can move on. It's, like, I am worthless. Something is wrong with me. Or
1: it goes back to, like, if I'm rejected, I'm... I I mean, this sounds dramatic, but, like, I'm going to die. Like, I am alone. I will be alone.
0: Yes.
1: And so, like, it's easier to create this fake facade Mm -hmm. that she created for Mike.
0: Mm -hmm. Because then
1: that would... That would be one less rejection that she has too.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing that we have to understand about trauma survivors is like that false reality or that irrational thinking. Like this, it's so real. Yes. But it's also not completely just outlandish and otherworldish. Like yes. it's there it makes sense when you think about the trauma that they've been through, which Elle has does not have a world in which trauma does not exist
1: exactly she's always lived in trauma
0: like it's a total developmental world she's grown up traumatized she's grown up with people who are supposed to be safe like the guy straight up calls himself papa
1: oh my god he is inserting himself as
0: an authority figure as if as a careful care figure As someone who is supposed to be safe. And then he's just
1: traumatizing her. Yes. And so she's learned from a very young age that in order to survive, I must
0: please. Mm -hmm. How how impactful do you think it is that she actually had a somewhat healthy father figure in the sheriff?
1: Oh, it's good. And it's also really confusing. How so... Well, in one way, of, it's, like, it's good because it's rewiring her brain to understand that a good caretaker is going to be there to, like, set <laughs> boundaries. But then it's also really, like, confusing because, on one hand, it's like, I loved Papa.
0: Right. And I
1: had this connection with him, but then, like, now it feels really incongruent.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so this guy who... So she has two father figures, basically. She does. One who is definitely using her. Yes. One who absolutely totally loves her but in a very (laughs) a little bit of a a little like it's imperfect exactly exactly it's not perfect perfect.
1: exactly i
0: mean he's in russia right
1: now right in prison yes
0: yes and i think she knows and i think that's what's Ah. interesting As deep down inside she knows which one of them loves her not Papa. Not Papa. But Who it's still, always used her. It's still
1: mind-fucking. Yes. It's still mind-fucking because it's like, on one hand, you still... She still loves him. Mm. She still loves Papa. Because it's like, he's still giving... She's He's meeting this intrinsic need of connection and love. And at the same time, like... Oh my goodness. Uh,
0: the sheriff? The sheriff. The sheriff. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I right can't now.
1: remember names right now. Like... He provides also an idea of love, but with boundaries. And I think when you're, you're in that world of, like, abusive reality, mm-hmm. sometimes boundaries seem unsafe.
0: Uh, for sure. Like, you're not being I mean, accepted. No, exactly. and I think with, like, the sheriff, he, lo- he genuinely, I believe he genuinely loves Elle. Yeah, would like do anything for L. Yes, but he also is kind of has like in in uh, season two was kind of calling her to suppress some of her powers and not use her powers, and then Papa, who is trying to use her and manipulate her, will allow her to use her powers and wants her to use her powers and in some way kind of understands her yeah so she really is (gasps) it is a mind fuck
1: it is it it really is like
0: one accepts her for who she is but he wants to manipulate her yeah and one wants her to suppress who she is but genuinely loves her
1: yeah and it's his own fear it's his own fear that creates her like the sheriff yes he's too afraid to let her be fully herself because that might mean that she he loses her
0: and he's already lost a daughter yes and lost his wife because he lost a daughter. It's his own trauma. It is his own trauma that is impacting the way that he loves Elle.
1: Yes. There's so
0: much trauma in there this. show. There is so much trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we start part two, what do we think about... So Vector is kind of targeting people who have trauma. And that's something he that... He is. And so he's targeted this one little kid. The vulnerable. And then he targeted this other woman, this other girl who yes. had like a really abusive parent yes. and a, an eating disorder. And then he targeted Max, who had a ton of trauma.
1: But she also had the connection of her friends. Yes, that brought which her is out. how she survived. Which is how she survived.
0: So now we end season or episode part one of of uh, season four with Nancy. Him using trauma against Nancy. Yes, and the trauma of. Her friend, Barb. Yes. Which is so crazy how Barb, the death of Barb, as well, everyone is still so sad about the death of Barb. Yes. We're all just like, oh. <laughs> Barb just died. She's like the unsung hero. She is. So I think it's cool that they're bringing Barb back. Yes. And then Nancy is now, oh, he's, he's making Nancy relive Barb's life. Yes and or Barb's death yes not her life and now she's trapped and do we think that Nancy is going to be able to find the same foundation that Max, Max did
1: found yes. in friendship yes
0: in art in love
1: mhm mhm
0: what do you think I think she will do you think she's gonna I think she survive she'll.
1: yeah I think she'll come out I mean obviously traumatized in her own way but you know right I think she, she'll come out because, again, it's that attachment, that positive attachment.
0: Yes, safe attachment. Exactly. Healthy attachment that yes. she does have. She does. And that is, I think that's something to be said for some of the friendships. Like, there is a very secure, safe, loving friendship between a lot of these she people. She
1: Like, Robin. hmm
0: Yeah, and Steve.
1: Yes.
0: Like, Steve's willingness to, like, do whatever it needs to take to... To save his friend,
1: Exactly.
0: Um, Dustin. Dustin. I love Dustin. <laughs> I love Dustin I love too. Dustin.
1: It's amazing <laughs> though. Like the whole entire idea is like what keeps them from going completely into death is that atta-
0: the positive attachment. Ooh. Yes. Let's, let's, let's say that again.
1: Okay. So what keeps them com- completely going into the death is through the positive attachment. Losing their-
0: sense of self. Yes. Is... Positive attachment to others. Yes. Oh, and that's so true for trauma survivors. Yes. It's like it is. there is a positive attachment that is needed. Yes. In order to develop positive attachment to yourself exactly you need other people to speak into like how they see you and how they love you yes. and how they care for you well
1: even that scene with max when she's like in it and like he's trying to drag her in i forget his name Juan. vector vector so yeah he's like trying to drag her in it's the music
0: that Ooh, her friends put
1: on her ears because they right? know her they know her but then like she sees them but it's also like her will to live
0: Yes. And what is her
1: will to live? The art and her the attachment.
0: Love. Love. It all comes back to love.
1: Love ah! love <laughs> both with others and but also with self.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Like Absolutely. It's it
1: we would to say like it's just love with others wouldn't be holistic. Right. It has to be love for self as well.
0: Like learning that she is lovable.
1: Yes. And that's what brings her into survival and and then living.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to have some good things that come out of part two. Yes, I'm I'm so excited. Let's go. Let's start part two and then we'll be back.
1: My body is in trauma mode. It's great. How does trauma mode feel? It's (laughs) like different for every body, right? Yes. No, I think like for me, it's like that gut. The gut. Twisting twisting. Twisting gut. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I feel it more in my chest. Yes. And also a defensive mechanism of like that was so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what the actual heck.
1: Right. You're like all of
0: the miracles, like a sword showing up in yes. the dungeon. yes And then suddenly everyone, like, everyone's dying, and then suddenly they all get freed.
1: I know. <laughs> There was so much
0: build-up for, like, one of the main characters when dying. One of the main characters is going to die. One of the main characters is going to die. And
1: you're like, which one is it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at this point they can't get one of the main characters. Or unless at the very end, Elle sacrifices herself. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. For sure. To, like,
1: close the door permanently. That's the only thing that's going to
0: work. Yeah. Is if Elle dies. To close the door. Because she and Eleven, 11 and, and One are one
1: cuz like her DNA came from him. Is that true? I think that's what it, I don't know, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. As we're recording this podcast. He was
0: doing experiments. He was doing experiments, experiments and, he, and was, he put them in the other kids. Papa was making other other oh. So she is Okay. I think okay. that's what it is. Okay.
1: So I think like she was she is part of him.
0: Hmm. very interesting, very interesting. We should probably let the listeners know that we moved from cold green margaritas to an entire pan of brownies. Yes. That we have been eating with a spoon because that that's how we
1: that's class. We're very classy.
0: <laughs> or I was or I was going to say that that's what's required to get through traumatizing <laughs> shows like Stranger Things.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: There's so many, like, I I, dos- I dissociate by watching my phone. I'm like, I'm going to shop now. Okay, so it was, like, intense enough for you that you needed to dissociate and shop. Yes, exactly. There were definitely times where I was just, like, covering my eyes. Yes. But, like, I don't want to see this. Exactly. Right Why do you think people migrate to shows that activate a song? <laughs>
1: I don't know i mean i do like it's really funny i have lots of clients that um are kids that actually like horror movies
0: right this is something that i definitely want to get into in the podcast at some point in time yes in probably this is a good time because i think that one of the reasons why trauma survivors migrate to shows like that is because the danger is happening there and you can dissociate yes and you're watching danger happen but you're not in danger and you know it. Yes. And that feeling of like, I am in control, even though bad things are happening Mm -hmm. and I can turn this movie off anytime I want to. I can walk away anytime I want to. I really think that's one of the reasons why
1: I have another theory too. Mm Okay. Okay. I think it's because those of us who are trauma survivors are used to consistently living in a state of fight, flight, freeze. And so the moments that we start to feel like we're out of it, mm-hmm. we tend to go to places that activate us back to it. Interesting. So like what I'm noticing in myself is like I'm actually starting to come out of that, that brain space where I'm fight, flight, freezing uh-huh. all the time. Because now I'm starting to be like, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. And then now I'm watching this and I'm feeling myself more activated than I would have been in the past because I'm more aware
0: oh of it than i
1: would have been in the past
0: do you think we migrate towards horrific things because it's familiar yes and that's another reason i
1: think that i think we go towards what feels familiar because it's ironically even in our discomfort there's a comfort in that
0: in that familiarness Mm -hmm. familiarity familiarity Familiarity. (laughs) (laughs) oh man Um, (laughs) i also think one of the reasons why we migrate to horror horror movies too is there is a little bit of a release kind of like the release of writing a roller coaster. Yeah. It's like super intense. Yes. And then it's over. Because if you're if you are constantly activated, then you, finding that release and completing that stress cycle is really difficult. Yes. You're constantly activated. And this is one way that you can kind of fake a release, yes. I guess? Uh,
1: like an adrenaline of sorts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because when you have anxiety and um, your amygdala comes online, then it releases adrenaline into your
0: body. Mm-hmm. It might
1: be another form of an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. That is yes. also something trauma survivors <laughs> do, is look for adrenaline rush. Exactly. Or look for adrenaline rush. Why do we look for adrenaline rushes? Uh, High risk. I think it's also like, again... I think
1: because our bodies are so used to that state of hyper-arousal, a lot of times we don't feel.
0: Ah. And we, so we're looking for the For
1: feel. the, the feeling yeah. of... Because cause we're kind of always, like, off. Okay. Until we feel an extreme adrenaline rush, and then we get back
0: Oh. On. Okay. Like, that, that's a theory. Got it. Yes. Got it. Yes. Do we think that the Stranger Things kids... Are addicted to <laughs> the adrenaline rush.
1: Oh at man! This point,
0: at this point, I'm just like, just move. <laughs> leave move Hawkins on. to Vecna, Lord Vecna. Just leave. Just go.
1: Just go. Hmm. Maybe they're addicted to like the feeling of
0: being heroes. Heroism. Mm-hmm. But that can also be a trauma response. Because it gives you a feeling of control. Yeah. To be the one always saving people. Yeah, Ella's going to have a really hard time having a normal life. Yes. As we saw at the beginning of season four, living a normal life was really, really challenging for her. Not having her powers, Mm -hmm. just being a normal kid. She didn't know who she was. Getting bullied. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Doing homework. Yep. She, yeah, she was off, not she didn't know just living a normal life which is a very that's very very common for trauma survivors just to be able to live normalcy exactly because we don't know what normal is right (laughs) a state of normalcy is is constant activation and constant yep yes constantly being activated yeah exactly so finding normal is difficult what do you think they all need to do after they've defeated Lord Vecna which is coming you know whatever yes they're gonna do something they're gonna save somebody yeah they're they're, they're, the whole they're gonna gang, save the world whole gang's back together they're gonna do something once they do that what do you think that they need to do to recover from the trauma
1: what they have found consistently across the board is the best way to heal trauma is to a have empathy from another person and that's, like, you consistently see that across the board. They're in their minds a lot in this episode, mm-hmm. right? And so the one thing that constantly gets them back out is the empathy of their friends.
0: Yeah. And the love of their friends.
1: So first it's, like, having that empathy, that attachment, that positive attachment with somebody. Okay, then coupled with awareness, right? Ooh. Awareness of my mind, awareness of my body. Okay, so now I'm experiencing empathy with you as an individual. Yeah. And I'm aware of how I'm thinking, I'm aware of how I'm feeling, which creates more which creates neuroplasticity and connections yes. to to unwire or rewire the way rewire that we experience our trauma. And then the other part is like having extreme compassion for self. So as we experience criticism of self- And we're aware of we're experiencing criticism in our minds of ourselves because of the things that we've gone through. Then we combat it with compassion and love, both from within and from our friends without. And this is how our brain rewires Mm -hmm. to become, to come out of that PTSD, trauma, reactive Mm -hmm. state. And that's consistently what you saw throughout this episode that's where my mind was always going. I'm like, okay, she's in her mind and she's experiencing this really horrific PTSD experience. And then they throw in like this positive attachment, positive regard,
0: friend speaking truth, which is probably the most horrific moment in the, in the show was when, when Max is in her mind and she's like in upside down world and Vecta has her. Yeah. And then Lucas is coming at her like, shaming her yes. for wanting Billy to die and all yes. those things and she thinks it's real. Right. And that was the most horrible because it's like the one safety her like safety net is now turning on right. her. And saying all of the things to her that she already thinks about herself.
1: And, and that's exactly and that's where trauma can really take hold is when we allow the critical parts of self to come out more. <laughs> and the only way that we can combat it is with love and acceptance from others and and compassion for ourselves,
0: right? And when, when, and one of the ways that we have compassion is like that thing that that belief system of like you're pathetic, yes. you're terrible. Yes. That Max was thinking about herself, yes, to have compassion for that side of herself, exactly. To say somebody else, yes, communicated that message to you, yes, out of their own. Trauma, probably, exactly. out of their own pain, exactly, and have compassion. That you would think that, ever think that about yourself? Anyway, it makes sense that you would think that about yourself, exactly. But, uh, Max is a trauma survivor from abuse. Yes, she was abused. Yeah, and so that self-talk that she's having actually came from somewhere. Exactly, it wasn't just it didn't sprout out of exactly.
1: And what I find consistently with my with my clients is that usually two things happen. Either someone becomes excessively critical of self, and they become when when they're a trauma survivor, critical of self, or they become excessively critical of others.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: depends on how how their their internal system works. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like that's why it's really important to be aware of your mind and where your mind goes mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Okay, my mind is. I'm feeling this anger towards something and then you are aware of your your mind. Okay, I'm actually being really critical of myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I enter in reigns of compassion and Mm -hmm. then I go and find
0: somebody else. So empathy from someone else, Mm -hmm. awareness of what's happening in our body, Mm -hmm. and then compassion. When we hear like the critical parts of ourselves come out. For how we're thinking and feeling about the situation. And they probably need friends who don't know about the trauma so that you can have some of that normalcy but then you also need friends who are familiar with it so that you don't feel isolated Mm -hmm. whenever you do have the memories or the flashback which because they all got they all got ptsd there's no way yeah there's no
1: way they don't all
0: have it
1: there's no they all
0: got ptsd yeah so that is what the stranger things kids need need yes for their recovery yeah after they defeat lord beckna exactly and the sheriff's name is hopper (laughs) yeah we figured it out after i I couldn't remember it in my inebriated state but hopper sheriff's name is hopper yeah and sheriff got hot yeah he did yeah
1: (laughs) i love the sight. he's like you grew you shrunk (laughs)
0: His little belly disappeared in, in prison in, in Russia, of all, all places. <laughs> sure. Like, oh. Sure. <laughs> also, final, final note I love the commitment to the 80s outfits. Oh,
1: I know. Outfits. So good.
0: They're so committed to, no matter how unflattering. Yes. <laughs> they are so committed to those 80s costumes. They so, really are. Very, very impressive. Very impressive. I like it. And all you people out there, never give up hope. (laughs) And don't move to Hawkins. (laughs) And don't move to Hawkins. We'll see you later. Thanks so much for listening to Trauma and Pop Culture. Tune in next time for when we discuss trauma in The Northman. Do you think revenge is a trauma response? (sighs) That's so complex. Because trauma is a result of powerlessness. Correct and revenge gives you a sense of power. power back and like and so, i can control yes. this horrible thing that happened
1: yes mm-hmm. so i would say in many ways revenge the desire to revenge can come out of being traumatized